Welcome to the Richard Blackby Leadership Podcast, helping people take their leadership to the next level. Brought to you by Blackby Ministries International. Welcome back to the podcast, Richard. It's good to be with you. Well, thanks, Sam. It's you, always fun to be with you. Yeah, just just in hot off the jet. Oh, I spent uh, twelve days in Brazil, and yeah. uh, and I uh, love it down there. The great great people, lots of exciting things going on in the church down there. But always good to be home. Yeah, nothing nothing like home. Yeah. Well, if you're if you're just now joining us, if this is the first podcast you're listening to, I want to say welcome. And uh, if you've been with us since day one. Uh, Welcome to you as well. Yes, you're uh, always welcome. Always welcome. Yeah. <laughs> well, we um, we try to do this about once every once a month, basically. Is we do a book review, and that's what we're doing today. But before we do that, uh, we've got a question here from a listener, and uh, just bear with me. I'm going to read out the situation and the question they have, and then uh, Richard, if you can uh, enlighten us, give us some some wisdom. I will get put my enlightened hat on. Okay. So this person writes, uh, I have a situation in my pipeline where the person I report to is not as effective in the field as I am, and I've had to confront the situation uh, in the following manner. We have a weekly meeting, though we're only technically required to attend twice a month. The organization's preference is every week. I maintain that due to ineffectiveness of my leader, air quotes, that I will attend twice a month and the remaining time be in the field building the organization, which I've done and continue to do. So now I'm being labeled a rugged individualist, air quotes, uh, which I'm having fun with, but I'm definitely going against the grain of the implied genuflection that's come to be expected in the organization. I didn't complain, merely stated the facts along with my situation, my solution, two meetings per month to the situation. I have a natural inclination towards confrontation, but when do I ignore the static and simply push forward versus directly confronting a person who simply maintains an ineffective status quo, but who has come to be revered due to good work performed long ago? Yeah, that's a, a great question. And uh, Sam, I think that just draws uh, to our attention. We need to do a whole podcast on working for under or for ineffective leaders. Yeah, I, I, I think that would be... Make a note of that. I will. I'm writing it down now. <laughs> uh, several key issues there. Uh, and I, I think certainly this is uh, very contextual. And it, there's a lot to play there. And, and there's not just a straight answer, I think. Uh, one is, though, uh, if you are working under someone who's not a strong leader, who's not, at least at this point, leading well... Uh, that is a very frustrating experience. I've been yeah. there, and you've been there, and um, and you feel as if someone's just kind of keeping their foot on the the brake pedal while you're trying to make uh, headway. Uh, and so I, I think you do need to be honest about that. I think he's probably done well to just um, speak about it and bring it up and say, "Hey, this is and, and things like wasteful meetings is is certainly something that I think many listeners hear deal with. And I think it's fine to, to, to point that out, to say, look, we, we spent all morning in this meeting that started late, had no purpose, wasted a ton of time. It ended and we accomplished nothing. And in that same morning, I could have made all these calls and uh, I could have, you know, gone out and visited a customer. And, uh, and I feel like I, I, my time's just being wasted and it'd be more efficient to not have these wasteful meetings. 
and so I think that's fine to bring that up. You know, I think one thing you could do is to say, let's uh, let, let's think how these meetings could actually be helpful. Some leaders just like to meet each week or each day even uh, just to touch base. They just like the team to look at each other and feel good about being a team together. And, of course, that doesn't really accomplish much. Uh, I was just talking with someone in the tech industry who said they have stand-up meetings, which so they do come in in the morning sharing an office uh, building, and they... They, they they but they don't sit down they don't get comfortable they they stand around and they touch base real quickly hey guys just remember this or we've got this coming up or how's mm-hmm. that going and by standing what they're saying is hey we're we're going to make this, this quick is, yeah it's not going to last long yeah we're, this is not cause, because there are always some people who just love to shoot the breeze they love to just talk and visit and and get comfortable and they can kill an hour in in a heartbeat and not miss it at all and so, you know, so that part, I would say, if, if you've got meetings that are in, inefficient, be, mention that. I think some important advice is don't, don't ever just get yourself in a corner where all you do is criticize what is being done. Mm. Uh, always offer a positive alternative that, w- that would be better. Uh, but then also you, you talk about being a he, – he, this person talks about being a rugged individualist, and, or at least that's how that this person is described. And I'd be – I would be careful, especially this person says they, they kind of like confrontation. Be careful that you don't become that lone wolf kind of person. Mm-hmm. If you're, if you're going to work on a team, you got to be a team player. And that means sometimes you, you suck it up and do some things for the good of the team. Uh, sometimes the team just needs your contribution. You know, some of those discussions uh, may not be helpful to you. They, you. they may feel like they're wasting your time. But, but that group might need your contribution. Uh, you might be able to say some things that would make that whole meeting much more practical and helpful to those people. So you, you do have to think in terms of the team and how would your presence there, your contribution actually make the meeting a better meeting. If you're just sitting there silently doing nothing but wasting your time, that's maybe harder. But be careful. And, and, and the last thing I would just say is always be respectful mm-hmm. uh, because how you follow will in large part, determine also how well you can lead. If you're always the guy pushing back and not wanting to follow the rules and not wanting to do what everyone else is doing, uh, well, if you ever become a manager yourself one day, uh, God will is just, and he may just give you a bunch of people just like you. Yeah. And all of a sudden, when you're trying to lead a team and doing what you think is best, and you've got a bunch of people challenging everything you do and saying that's a waste of their time and they could use their time better, uh, you may think back about your day and say, gee, I, I was a little hard on that guy. Um, so even if you disagree, do it agreeably. Do it yeah. uh, respectfully. If you have a boss, they are your boss. And if you don't like how the boss does things and you've communicated that, you may need to find somewhere else to work where you don't have to uh, answer to that person. But as long as they're your boss, at the end of the day, when you have been honest and upfront and, and spoken your mind, uh, if still it's just a really unmanageable situation for you, then start looking around for someplace you can work where you can feel good about who you answer to and how they lead. But uh, but these these are tough situations, and unfortunately, there's a lot of people in management who should not be. Uh, and so I think being a gentle kind of gadfly in some way that just keeps coming back to say, but do we have to do it this way, or couldn't couldn't this meeting even be shorter? Could it be a stand up meeting? 
where we just touch base for a few moments and then get on our way. And if you present it in a way that it says, uh, not that you're just critical, but that you have so much meaningful work you want to do that will contribute to the bottom line of the of the company, then that's a little more understandable. When you say, hey, I've got three customers all waiting to hear from me, but I've had to take two and a half hours to be in this meeting that didn't accomplish anything. Uh, well, you know, that's, then you can say, okay, well, I could see where we might have accomplished more if we just let you loose on those customers. Mm-hmm. So try to make it positive if you can. But uh, don't just be that one guy who's just defiantly opposing everything the leader wants to do because yeah. uh, you don't really want to be that that person. Uh, yeah. Because it's not it doesn't reflect well on you or if you're if they know you're a Christian they don't necessarily want to think of what's well, that Christian guy who just better than the rest of us and has more important things to do than <laughs> spend time with us. So yeah, it's a tough one, but a good question. We appreciate that. Yeah, and and I'd like to just say that that we appreciate all the questions that uh, folks send in, and if you would yeah. like to submit a question or a comment about the show, uh, you can reach out to us through email podcast at blackby.org. Bob Royal and Richard Blackaby recently wrote a book called Spiritual Leadership Coaching. It integrates the life-changing biblical insights from experiencing God with training in 12 essential coaching skills that will enhance your ability to have transformational conversations. Use the promo code PODCAST at checkout to receive an additional 10% off the book at blackabystore.org. Now... On to our book review. Yes. Try to do it once a month. I think we're a little late this month, but that's okay. Yeah, we've been, yeah. I just have way too much to talk about. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so we're doing Max Dupree. Yeah. And um, instead of just picking one of his books, you've done... I've, I've gone over and above. Over and above. The, you've, the, you've picked what three. Was required. Yeah. I read only one. Um, Slacker. I, I know. I just <laughs> I had other things to do, it, it turns out. So... Can you just tell us uh, who is Max Dupree and, and why should we care about him and, and what he has to say about leadership? Yeah, well, Max Dupree is, uh, is, was a, is a Christian leader, a business person. Uh, he, he, for years, led a, a furniture business, Herman Miller, as uh, the CEO and then chairman of the board. Uh, uh, and that, if you're familiar with Herman Miller, makes a lot of... Uh, especially uh, office furniture, desk chairs. Really nice stuff, too. I I looked it up after I... High quality. Stuff that we can't afford here at BMI. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, and so he's uh, he's run a a secular company, but he's tried to do it with Christian principles and values. And he's written three books, uh, and they're all relatively short, really, like 100 plus pages. Yeah. Uh, And uh, he, he wrote three. The first one was called Leadership is an Art, and then uh, a couple of years later, uh, in the in the early '90s, wrote '92 uh, wrote Leadership Jazz, and then uh, a couple of years after that, 1997, he wrote Leading Without Power. And they're all paperback, easy to read, uh, not cumbersome at all kind of books, and uh, the kind of thing you can easily you know read on an airplane trip. They're they're all they all have some good things to say. And so I just thought, hey, let me just introduce you. If you don't know Max Dupree, he's now he's getting a little bit uh, dated uh, because the last book was written in '97, and so it's now we're what 21 years ago. Yeah, but it seemed real uh, principle based. Yeah, a, a lot of what yeah. he had to say. Yeah, I, I so almost, it seems it has sort of a timeless it does quality yeah. to it. He, in fact, if you've if you've read my book Spiritual Leadership, uh, I quote him in a number of places, and so he he. I see him almost like a, a leadership philosopher. 
Mm-hmm. He, he doesn't give a lot of just, uh, okay, here's 10 things you need to do in running a meeting or in delegating. Uh, it's more kind of looking at the heart of why you're doing things yeah. and so on. The, I, I call it kind of a philosophy. So it's a different kind of uh, leadership book, uh, but... But, but it's one that he, he has some statements that you kind of sit back and think about. It's, he, he seems to be a guy who's led in business for a long time, mm-hmm. and he's thought about what he's done and why he's done it. And he's, he has some great questions and great observations. So I thought I would just kind of at least grab a couple of quotes from each book yeah. uh, and just throw them out there and really just uh, by way of uh, introducing our listeners to someone that um, you, you just need to be familiar with him. And of course, there's lots of great new books, and I'm gonna we're, we're gonna be looking at a bunch of those uh, in the weeks to come. But yeah, uh, we our our first few of these have sort of been back to the basics. Yeah, yeah, and I've already got some thoughts on uh, what will be uh, coming up here uh, next, and uh, some I certainly agree with more than others. Dupree, there's not a lot of stuff I just point to and say I, that's just wrong. There's a few things where maybe I, I I'll push back a little, uh, but. For the most part, it's just a it's a good read, and uh, he says some stuff that makes you really think. He's the 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 version I've got of leadership is an art. Uh, Bill Clinton wrote uh, an endorsement of it. You know, it's not often you get a former president uh, endorsing. Yeah, that's, your book. That, that's... He, he he calls it astonishing the book, which I'm sure Clinton has used exaggeration before, but uh, <laughs> still uh, to get a, a former president endorsing it that highly yeah. uh he was voted uh, and he was i should say herman miller and uh dupree have been recognized as one of the best places to work uh and that they've won some significant awards so it's not that he's just writing uh kind of a book and not walking the the, the walk right he's, uh, it's coming from experience it, yeah it and, like. and and his peers have recognized that that their company is led at a really high level and it was what was interesting too is it sounds like he comes from a legacy uh, of leadership as well, because I believe it was his father or uncle that yeah. founded Herman Miller. Yeah, I think I think it was his it father, and uh, so he inherited it. Uh, he and, and and he was groomed, and, and we can talk probably in a podcast as well about legacy. Yeah, uh, every time we do one of these, we think about three or four more things to talk about. But but sometimes I think some of the best leaders are ones that have been groomed for generations, and each generation has stood on the shoulders of the one before them, and yeah. so. He, I think, seems to be one of those people. He inherited a bunch of solid leadership uh, models, and and then he's built on it himself and taken it even further. So, um, yeah, so why don't you tell us what what is what really stands out to you about? Yeah, uh, these three books. Okay, leadership is an art. Written, uh, published at least my version in 1989, uh, and and he starts out as you might expect on page three and says, "Leadership is an art, something to be learned over time." And not simply by reading books. Okay, out. That that could hurt because I've written some <laughs> books, but and he's written books. So obviously, uh, in his first leadership book, he says you, you can't just you learn can't leadership just read from it all. reading books. But leadership is more tribal than scientific, more mm-hmm. a weaving of relationships than an amassing of information. And in that sense, I don't know how to uh, pin it down in every detail. And I think he has a lot to say there. Uh, yeah, you can't just read a book and say, okay, now I know how to lead. The idea of leadership being an art, I, I think there are some things that good leaders do. And, and certainly in our book on spiritual leadership, we, we talk about some of those things. There's some general things you can point to, like delegation. I think you know you can say, 
hey, it's just pretty hard to, to lead and not delegate to other people sure. or raise up leaders and so on. But but still, he says, but there's an art to it that it's, it's hard to pin down. Uh, I think a lot of that has to do with people skills, how to get the most out of people. You know, you, you deal with one person or, or, or two different people that are both motivated differently. A good leader figures out how to mo- motivate both of them yeah. and uh, to get the, the, the best out of each individual. It, there's a certain art to that. It's really hard to say. Mm-hmm. That, and there's, there's a certain intuitive aspect to it that great leaders just have a gut sense of when to inspire, when to challenge, when to chastise, uh, when to be hard, when to back off. Uh, when to say, let's take a break, let's celebrate, or when to bear down. Um, and if you're, if it doesn't come naturally to you, you're going to keep trying to follow a formula. And I think he's right in saying there is an art to it. Yeah. Which, it, you know, it reminds me of the question that we answered at the top of the show about, you know, navigating with a leader, that if you're under a leader that, that maybe isn't doing something the way you would do it yeah how do you navigate that and that's that's way more finesse way more art than yeah. just these and, four things these and, principles yeah and i think this that guy's boss uh you know he, he obviously he needs to learn the art of when, when you've got a hard charger working for you do you slow them down and bog them down with a bunch of pointless meetings or do you and i've had a few of those kind of people over the years where i i hired kind of a maverick in some ways a, a rebel uh, a couple come to mind uh, very quickly, uh, and people thought, "Well, why would you hire them? Like they they don't follow the rules. They're rebels." And I would say, "Yeah, but they they get results, and so <laughs> I and they get results that uh, some of the toe the line folks don't get." And so I'd rather have a rebel, but I, but I, I'll have to work with them differently, right? And uh, I'll have to reward them differently. I'll have to maybe give them a little bit longer leash than I would with some others. Uh, I'll have to. You know, bring them in sometimes and so on, but uh, and it'll take more energy. Uh, it takes more work than just ten people that all just follow the rules and follow the memos. But y- you get more and, and different kind of results. And so, I think that person's leader should recognize, hey, I've got someone who really wants results and they're eager to get out there. So maybe I shouldn't be insisting that they attend every meeting. But so that so it's an art. Uh, one, another quote, and this one I used in my, and I quoted in our book, is um, Dupree says, the first responsibility of a leader is to define reality. The last is to say thank you. And I, I like that. And when you think about defining reality, I think that's crucial. And there, there are statements like that you have to stop and think for a moment. And, and of course, in the book, he explains it some more. But, uh, but, but I think defining reality is a key role of a leader. Because you'll have you'll have people. For instance, something happens, and uh, maybe maybe a vice president in your organization suddenly announces they're leaving to go work for another company, and at first everybody is doom and gloom. Oh no, we just lost one of our top people, and uh, is this going to hurt us? And what are we going to do? Yeah. And, it, and and so everybody jumps to conclusions. What what's the reality here? But you may know that that person's been dissatisfied for some time. You may know that their performance has been declining uh, over the last while. You may know that uh, you just they were starting to become kind of divisive in your leadership team meetings, and uh, and and actually, it's it was time for them to move on. And you may you may know that there is another great uh, talent that you've been eyeing up that you'd love to put on the team, and now you've got an opening. And and actually, what seems like uh, a, a, a negative problem to the people who aren't in the know. You actually know, I've been waiting for this moment. 
Now we get rid of a negative influence. We bring in a positive, creative, new talent. Uh, hey, this is great. Uh, so oftentimes the people down line, they're not sure what reality is. Or, or it may seem like we're facing something that's impossible. But, uh, and so that they think reality is we can't do this. This is too hard for us. It's impossible. And the leaders got to define reality and say, no, that's not reality. We can do this. It is possible. We're going to have to bear down. We're going to have to uh, reach new heights we've never reached before, but uh, we can do that. We have the skills here. We have the personnel to get it done. So, uh, and then the last thing is just to say thank you, as he says. And sometimes as leaders, we forget to do that. And that, I think, it, when you try to summarize the scope of leadership, one is trying to help gather a team where they're focused and see things, the, see the reality the way that it is. But then when you accomplish the goal, don't forget to say thank you and remember yeah. it was about the people and the people are who got you there. So I think some great, uh, some great comments there. And several other things he says, uh, he says, life is more than just reaching our goals. As individuals and as a group, we need to reach our potential. And uh, he has several quotes about that where he says, just reaching a goal is not enough. You can achieve a, uh, you know, a, an organizational goal or objective, but feel like you, didn't, you never reached your, your personal human potential. And he says a lot about that, uh, that a, a company ought to uh, help yeah. your people achieve their best and for people to feel like they grew as people. Yeah. They were blessed as people because they worked with you. And as a leader, I read uh, "Leading Without Power," and and he he talks at length about, you know, realized potential in, in that book as well. Yeah, and uh, I think that's a great view for leaders is mm -hmm. to say, so I've got th these staff people in organization. Are they all growing? Are th are they all better people, happier people, more blessed people, fulfilled people, uh, because they work for me and they've had they've had a whole year of being under my influence? Has that made them better? Um, great questions. Yeah. One other quote from that book, he says, participative management is not de democratic. Having a say differs from having a vote. And of course, in our society now, we tend to think, well, hey, even if you're uh, a staff person or a person on the shop floor, that we should, uh, we should have just as much say as the vice president or the president. And if we don't like it or we're not happy, then we, we should get our, our vote about that. Well, he says there's a difference between hearing from all the people down line, letting them have input, and then letting them actually have a, a vote or determining how things are done. Mm. Uh, there's a point where the leader has got to lead, and the leader has the big picture. Down line, you're going to have a picture of, well, I want five more minutes in my lunch break. Uh, I, I want this working condition. But, uh, but the, the leader has got to look at the big picture and the, the, the future, the direction they're going. And so uh, just because you've been heard does not mean that you get to decide or veto what the boss said. Yeah. Interesting thoughts there, especially in our culture. Then it, it, the book, uh, Leadership Jazz. And again, the, the, the con he, and he gets into jazz. He likes jazz music. And of course, for those who know jazz music, um, he'll say, well, it's, it's not following a formula. There, everyone has the freedom. It, there is a general direction that is being followed, but everybody contributes their own unique contribution. Uh, and so he says several things, a couple, let me just read a couple of quotes that I thought were uh, good. He says, um, integrity in all things precedes all else. 
for leaders who live a public life, perceptions become a fact of life. And I think we do well to remember that. How we are perceived is reality to people, not, not the truth. They may not know everything we did behind closed doors. Uh, all they see is what they, or they know is what they saw and what they heard. And so we need to be very careful that we lead in a way that, uh, that their perception sends the message that we want. And, you know, that can be as much as like executives getting perks, you know, like a parking place right next to the front door. If you want to say everybody's equal, we're here to serve, but then you treat your top people like kings and royalty. Uh, but then, but you're trying to say, but, but, but we all are equal here. We all have a say. We, everyone is valued. It's just that some are valued more than others. <laughs> and so that's yeah. fine if you want to do that. But just understand that uh, it doesn't matter what you say, it, they're going to watch and perceive what you're doing. And mm-hmm. the, the perception you give is going to be reality to people, not what you put in your organizational mission statement. Um, one other thing there that I think is really uh, helpful he says, we should treat the, the great majority of our people as volunteers. And I, I, I like that. Hmm. Uh, even though they're emplo- paid, I mean, you're, you're a paid employee, but he says, especially your top people, you need to treat as volunteers because he says your top people have options. They don't have to work for you. They could go to your competitor. Uh, mm-hmm. They could go somewhere else where they have more flex time. Uh, they've chosen to work with you, but they've got the skills and the experience to, to choose to work somewhere else. Uh, so there, there has to be something beyond just money that makes them work for you. They, they, most people want to do more than just earn a living. They yeah. want to work somewhere where they feel like they're appreciated, where they're thanked, where they're allowed to grow. And so treat them like volunteers. Don't ever take your people for granted because if you do that, uh, then before long uh, you're, you're, you're going to end up losing them and then wondering where they went. Uh, let me, I'll just read oh, a couple other quotes I've actually used in our leadership book. Uh, well, he says, one, you'd never want to go with a sea captain who would rather be in port. <laughs> uh, and yeah. I, I think leaders exist to, to solve problems. Leaders exist for the difficult times. If, if there were no difficult times, no problems, you wouldn't necessarily need a leader. The people could just kind of carry on with the status quo. Uh, and so when a leader doesn't want to tackle problems, when a leader doesn't want to lead, uh, then nobody has any confidence to follow them. And so leaders may not necessarily like confrontation. They may not like messy things, but leaders know that's what they're there for. And so that's uh, they, they sort of justify their job by doing leadership kind of work. And, uh, and so uh, he says, so, so lead, so people will have a confidence to follow you. Two other quotes, just to, and these are two that I've used in our book. One is, success can close a mind faster than prejudice. And I think mm. I've even used that and quoted that in our podcast before. Yeah. Um, and he, he'll again, he'll say, success tends to make you think you know what you're doing, that you don't need to learn. You don't need to grow. You don't need to ask advice. Failure humbles you. Success gives you pride. And so he, he warns to say, be careful. And along with that, he says, leaders are fragile precisely at the point of their strengths, liable to fail at the height of their success. He says that you're never more vulnerable than when you've just been successful. So, yeah. uh, so be careful because uh, you're, you're, you'll have a blind spot after you've been successful. Uh, and then I, I, let me just mention two other ones here in this book. He says, reaching goals is fine for an annual plan. Only reaching one's potential is fine for a life. Uh, and again, that's that goals and the potential thing. 
He says, uh, in the end, true innovation will never be a democratic event. It's just too risky for groupthink. Majorities seldom vote to change. Hmm. Uh, and again, yeah. that's, that's interesting, isn't it? That uh, he'll say, uh, that's why at a certain point as a leader, you've got to push forward and say, at this point, we've got to make this change. Or maybe it's a small group, a subgroup that is working with you. But, but just simply polling people at large and saying, uh, especially when you've got to make major substantive changes, he would say it's just hard for the majority to change because we, we tend to get comfortable. And so, again, at a certain point, you just have to, to step out and lead. Well, let's leave it there. Uh, again, these are the three books by Max Dupree. I don't know that you mentioned any from Leading Without Power, but I, I took some notes on that one. and uh, We'll uh, reference that one. Sorry, I, yeah, just, we, uh, I we think will, I ran uh, out of time as we did, uh, always. We did. but um, too, too much to cover, too little time to do it in. So. But uh, if you get any, any book by Dupree, is yeah. worth, just pick it up. You can get those in used bookstores now and Super so on. Super fast read. Yeah. Very easy to read. He even leaves extra wide space in the margins and between the lines for you to make notes in, which I thought was very interesting. Yeah, but check uh, the, the show notes because all the references and links yeah. will be there and, and you can follow up on that. All right. Until next time. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If this is something you enjoyed, review us on Apple Podcasts, and don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. If you have questions or comments, please email us at podcast at blackbee.org.